Many of you reached out to us um, this week, last week. Uh, we buried Kim's dad on Tuesday, had services Sunday, excuse me, Monday and Tuesday. And so, um, yeah, it's been been a, a bit of a difficult time for us as a family, but um, we had beautiful service um, for him on Tuesday morning with the family and friends who gathered. And thank you for your prayers during this time. Um, as, as I came in today, or some came in, they said, oh, Pastor, we saw it's your birthday. Happy birthday, right? And so, yeah, that's coming up this week. And what I want to say about that is, so I'm not shy about my age. I'm turning 62 this week, okay? And you can say, oh, Pastor, you don't look anything like 62, right? right? But, um, but the best thing about it is I get on the beach in Long Branch for free now. Right now, we bought our, we, we, we have our season passes that we already paid for, but I am going on Wednesday or Thursday without my pass, <laughs> just to say I can do it, right? You might as well take, take hold of some of the benefits, right? So, um, so anyway, that's where we're at with all, all of that. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1. Um, you saw there um, for our leaders rally and so forth, and even when we were we we had our baptism recently, we have new shirts for this year, kind of the color of Sister Betty's um, blouse there, right? That's the color we're using, right? And um, our theme as we step into this new year, we often have a theme for the year is it's a new day, it's a new day because God kind of put on my heart like like God really wants to do some new things in our lives. Amen? Right? But God doesn't want us stuck in where we've been and, and so forth. And even coming through this pandemic and all of that, you know what? God wants to take us into the new things he has for us. Personally, his families, as a church. Um, and so, beginning this morning and for the next number of weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Joshua. I've entitled this series, Stepping into a New Day. Stepping into a new day as we talk over the next number of weeks about about what it means for us as followers of Christ to live the new life, to step into the new life that he has for each one of us. And this this morning, we're reading from Joshua, chapter one, verses one through five. And the scripture says there, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. For every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and I pray, God, that you would use it to encourage us, to build faith in us, to do what you need to do in our lives as you set before us that which you have for us. And so bless your word to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so when we come to the book of Joshua, we find it was a critical moment for the Hebrew people. 
for 40 years, they had talked about it, dreamed of it, imagined what it would be like. And now here they were standing at the edge of the Jordan, standing on the edge of the fulfillment of all they'd been longing for, ready to step into, we might say, into their new day. You see, for 40 years, although saved from Egypt and saved from slavery, they had found themselves wandering in the wilderness, living in tents, moving from place to place, living as a nation of outcasts. For 40 years, they had lived as a people saved by God and yet not yet experiencing all they knew God had promised them. Oh, they were grateful for their redemption from slavery, and yet they knew God had not taken them out of Egypt to spend the rest of their history as a wandering people. God had promised so much more. Well, Moses has died, the people have mourned, and Joshua is in place. And it's time to move on. Phase two is about to happen. It's time to possess the land. It's time to see the promises of God fulfilled. It's time to step into a new day. And thus we come this morning here to the book of Joshua. You know, the Bible speaks to us of newness of life. Do you know that? Newness of life. That is, when we give our lives to following Christ, when we put our faith in Christ, we are not just saved, but we are born again. We're not just saved from sin and redeemed, but we are meant to enter into a brand new way of living, to step into a new life, to take a step into, we might say, a new day. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here, right? To the Romans, he wrote in Romans 6, 4, we were therefore buried with him, that is with Christ, through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You see, the Bible talks to us about newness of life. And yet, I think we all have to admit that too often we as Believers, we as followers of Christ, we continue to live according to old ways. We fall back into old patterns. We continue to be impacted by old failures. We continue to be touched by all the stuff of our former lives. And somehow, in some way, we have failed to take hold of the newness of life that is ours in Christ. And we end up living our lives almost as if we are wandering in a desert that's filled with our past. And so we find Christians, followers of Jesus, still living in addiction, living with broken relationships, lives filled with harmful and even sinful habits, believers who continue to spiral down into their past and seem to never take hold of the life that God has for them. More than that, so many of us, although saved from from sin, we have to admit our lives are far from flowing with, we might say, milk and honey. That is, we have little sense of purpose no real fruit. We have little to speak of that points to the newness of life that Christ, that Christ is able to bring. We might say that it's time for many of us to take a step into our new day. That is to begin to live the new life that God has offered to us through Christ. And so as we go through the book of Joshua, I want us to see what it means to step into that new day, what it means to take hold hold of the newness of life that is ours in Christ. We want to see how it is you and I can experience what it truly means to have 
old things pass away and all things become new, that we might be able to say, hey, guess what? Look, old things have passed away and everything has become new. You see, the book of Joshua really is all about how it was Joshua led the people into their promised land, how he led them out of their wanderings and into that which God had promised to them into their new day. And this morning, our message is is entitled Taking Hold of the Promises of God because, you see, in these first few verses that I just read, we read of three promises that God makes to Joshua and to the people. For as they would cross the Jordan, these were three promises that they were to take with them, three promises they needed to take hold of. These were promises that would strengthen them on their journey into the new land and into their new life. These were promises that would give them courage, the courage that, we, that they would need in order to fully step into their new day. And today, I want us to hear these promises for ourselves and take hold of these promises for ourselves, promises that, that we need to carry with us. Promises that we need to take hold of as we seek to live our lives in Christ. And the first promise is this. We read of it in verses 2 through 4. It's the promise of a land. The promise of the land. You see, this was the place that God had been preparing for his people for generations. Some say from Genesis through through the first five books of the Bible and even further into the Old Testament, there's this huge focus on the land. Check, check. Oh, there's number seven. Okay. Well, now you can hear me again. I could do it without this. But then I won't be able to talk when I get home. But listen, this was the place God had preparing for his people for generations. This was the place wherein God's people were to live if they were going to experience all that God had for them. Outside of the land, none of the other promises were theirs. But inside of the land, within the land, they were all theirs. That's why it's called the promised land. And I want you to notice a few things about the land that the people were to possess. For one, the land was large. It was large. In fact, it was much larger than these people would initially be able to take possession of. For there was no way this group of former slaves slaves was going to conquer all the land from the Euphrates up north to the desert to the south and everything in between. I don't have time to put a map up. But it was a large land. But let me ask you, isn't that the way God is? Are not his promises and the life that he offers to us so much larger than we could ever imagine? Are not his promises so much more than we could ever take hold of in one sitting? Are not his plans and his purposes for us as his people much more than we could ever ask for? Do you think you're going to experience all that God has for you all at once? Now, I want to tell you this morning that the land God has for you is large. That is the place that God has for you and the things he wants to do in your life. They are much bigger than you or your plans or what you could ever ask for or imagine or what you could ever achieve on your own. The land was large, but not only that, the land was given. It was given, we could say, as a gift for God tells Joshua to cross over to the land that he's about to give to them. 
Again, this was the land God had planned for his people. This was the land God had been preparing for his people. And now it was the land that God said he was going to give to his people. And thus, you know what was going to have to happen? God was going to have to work miracle after miracle on their behalf. God was going, to, was going to act on behalf of his people. He was going to intervene as needed, do all that would be necessary to ensure that the land would become theirs. Listen, I want to remind us today that the life that God has for us, the land that God has for us, it's a tremendous gift from his hand. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't bring it about by our own ability, by our cunning, by our planning. But God, in his grace, he pours out blessing on those those who will follow after him. The newness of life that God has for his people, it's a blessing that comes as a gift directly from his hand. From his hand. But then, thirdly, I noticed this. The land had to be possessed. It had to be possessed. And I know that sounds almost like a contradiction to speak of God giving the land and then the people needing to possess the land, but it's not. Because because you know the way it is. Whenever a gift is given, the gift also has to be received, does it not? A gift given is a gift that has to be received. God said to his people, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Wow. I mean, to experience the promise of the land, the people were going to have to do their part to take hold of it. That was, they would have to move through it and fight battles for it. And I'm reminded that if we're going to experience all that God has for us, we must do our part to possess it. And that will mean, as we'll see throughout the book of Joshua, it will mean at times stepping out in faith. It will mean living in obedience to God's word. It will mean separating ourselves from the world. It will mean persevering through hard times and fighting some battles and living our lives full of hope and expectation. God says, I'm going to give you this land, but you need to do your part to possess it. It's a gift that you need to then receive. And the fourth thing I notice about this land is that the land was filled with good things. It was filled with good things. Canaan was called a place filled, excuse me, flowing with milk and honey. It was just a, a metaphor, an expression to say, this was a great place to live. I mean, think of like some of the best places in the world that you like to live, you know? Beautiful valleys and lush fruit and, you know, like rivers flowing. And, you know, I can't help but maybe think of some places where, where Kim and I have traveled, you know. And we say, wow, wow, that's, man, a place flowing with milk and honey. And, yes, there would be some de difficult times and there would be much work to do because, you see, this wasn't yet heaven. How many of us know we're not yet at heaven, right? In heaven, there's no more battles, in heaven, there's no more enemy, right? And so there would be some difficult times. There would be work to do. The people would have to plow and plant and labor hard. But if they would be faithful, both in their relationship with God and in the labor of their hands, they would experience a wonderful harvest, blessings in return. And you see, such is the case for us today that the life that God has for you and me, it will require faithfulness on our part, 
faithfulness in our relationship with God, faithfulness to the tasks he puts before us. And there may be some difficulties to be faced, and we will have to persevere, and we will have to work hard. But listen, as we do our part, God will bring about a wonderful harvest of fruit within our lives. God will do some tremendous things through our lives. God will do things in and through your life that will astound you. God will cause your life to overflow, we might say, with milk and honey. And there are some, there are some, I think, who, who, who just, they're wondering why their life, even as a follower of Jesus, their life is such a mess, and they keep on falling back into old ways, and they're experiencing so much brokenness. And, and maybe it's because at times we're just not being faithful to God. We're still living like life the way we want to live it instead of living the way God has called us to live it. I'm reminded today that God doesn't want us as his people wandering aimlessly through life, nor does he want us falling back into our old lives, back into slavery to sin from which he's rescued us and back into the old patterns. But God has promised to each of us a land, not a geographic location, not a particular level of material or financial success, but a place within his kingdom where we might experience the fruitfulness he has planned for us. God wants to take us into the life that he's designed for us, a life filled with purpose and accomplishment and blessing, a life of, of freedom from our past, an abundant life, as Jesus said, that we might enjoy the fruit of serving him. God has for each of us a land a big land. Aren't you glad for that this morning, church? It's a promise we need to take hold of because he's not leaving us just wandering in the desert, just living in, in, the, in the past. And Oh, yeah, I'm saved. I got out of slavery. But meanwhile, our lives are a wreck. But he has something so much more for us. But not only is there the promise of the land, but there's the promise of victory. The promise of victory. You know, 40 years previously, when Moses sent spies into the land, they came back with the report that there were giants in the land. And all of them, if you know the story, all of them except Joshua and Caleb came back saying that the people who lived there were too powerful and the cities too well fortified. And thus the people were stopped in their tracks by their own fear. Do you know, sometimes we allow the enemy to win without a battle. I'm guilty of that. Right? We're, taken, we're overtaken by unnecessary fear. But notice God makes a promise. No one will be able to stand up against you. That is, God gave to his people a wonderful promise, the promise of victory over all that would seek to stop them from experiencing the life that he wanted to give to them. Of course, that victory would require a battle. And I think we need to expect times when the enemy himself will come against us to stop us. He will try to tempt us back into sin. He will seek to discourage us and demotivate us. He may attack us physically. He might attack us emotionally. He may use some evil people to halt us in our tracks. Listen, he might even use some good people to try to stop us. Think of how he used, tried to use Peter to deter Jesus. That's a sermon in and of itself, huh? The Bible tells us the enemy will come against us like a flood. And thus we must prepare ourselves for battle. Pastor Gee preached about it a couple weeks ago. Putting on the whole armor of God. 
And knowing that, as Paul writes to the Corinthians, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And thus we prepare ourselves for battle, not so much physically, but spiritually. But listen, victory, victory would ultimately be dependent upon God. We do our part. Again, we do our part. But listen, the Israelites would not be able to defeat the peoples who were before them on their own. These people were too powerful for them. But they were reminded that God, that God was on their side. The same God who had delivered them from Egypt, the same God who had opened before them the Red Sea, the same God who had defeated the Egyptian army, the same God who had provided for them manna and quail in the desert, the same God who had given them victory over the Amalekites, the same God who had thundered from the mountain. This God was promising that he would intervene and give to his people a great victory. And I want to tell us this morning that same God is with us today. That same God is with his people today. Listen, you and I will never experience victory over sin, over temptation, over the enemies of our souls on our own. We do not have the fortitude within us to overcome sin by ourselves. We do not have the strength to maintain courage and hope when the odds can be so overwhelming. We do not always have the discernment to know who's our enemy and who's our friend. But Jesus said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Oh, the writer of Proverbs, he writes, he holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. The psalmist wrote, with God we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And the apostle Paul wrote, but thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want to remind us today that God has given us the promise of victory, victory over sin, victory over temptation, victory over every enemy that that would seek to stop the work of God within our lives. The promise of victory. And finally, we read here of the promise of God's presence, the promise of God's presence. And here we have the true secret to Success, that is to experiencing the blessings of God within our lives, the key to the, the, the real key to stepping into that new day. Listen, the people knew that God's presence had been with Moses. It was obvious. For Joshua and the people could remember vividly the presence of God surrounding Moses on the mountain, filling the tabernacle, then causing Moses' face to shine. They had seen the presence of God in the cloud that led them by day and the pillar of fire that led them by night. They knew that in the past, God's presence had been with them. But I want to tell us today that memories of the past, as wonderful as they are, are not enough to lead us into God's plan for our present nor for our future. Memories and nostalgia do not bring to us victory and blessing today. And so God said, listen, just as I was with Moses in the past, here's my promise. I'm going to be with you today. As God makes a promise to Joshua and to the people that as he was with them in the past, so he would be with them now and on into the future. And thus their experience of God would not just be a memory But instead, it would be something new and fresh. 
And thus they would not only talk about how God had led them, provided them and for them and gave them victory in the past. And, you know, it's good for us to remember. The Bible tells us at times to remember, to think back. The Jewish people, they have Passover and Hanukkah and all the, their, their, their other holidays to remember the acts of God from the past. And that's good because that it encourages our faith. But God didn't want them only to have memories but he wanted them to have an experience now with his presence so that they would not only talk about the past, but they would experience anew the leading of God, the provision of God, the victory of God, all through the presence of God. And so as they stood before the mighty people of Canaan, as they stood before cities with impenetrable walls, as they looked over the vast land that God wanted to give to them, God wanted them to know that he was with them. He wasn't bringing them to this place and then saying, okay, now it's up to you. Let's see what you can do. He didn't save them and then just drop them off. But rather, God says, you're going to enter the land, and I'm going to enter it with you. I'm going to enter it with you. Oh, I think of Jesus, some of Jesus' final words to his disciples when he said this. Listen, Jesus gave to his disciples his big task. Go, go and, and, and preach the gospel. Right? Go out into the, into the world and make disciples. And Jesus says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Hey, church, we haven't gotten to the end of the age yet. So you know what that means? Jesus is still with us as his people, right? He's still with us. To Joshua, God says, I will not leave you or forsake you. And the Bible repeats that phrase over and over again. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I want you to know this morning that God has promised to be with you. He's not in the business of dropping off his children, like he's dropping them off in a daycare or a nursery somewhere and say, okay, well, have a nice day. Let's see how, how you do, you know. He's not in the business of dropping us off and then, and then having us fend for ourselves. But God has promised us his presence that he would be with us each step of the way. And thus, no matter what he calls you to do, no matter where he calls you to go, you can know that he will be right by your side to guide you, to provide for you, to minister to you, to minister through you. That no matter what you may face in life, he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Let me come, please. So are you ready to move into the promised land, that is, into the life that God has planned and prepared for you? Are you ready to step into your new day and to take hold of the promises of God for your life? Again, I want to remind us this morning, it has never been God's intention to merely save us from sin and then leave us wandering out in a desert. Just kind of walking in circles without purpose, without blessing, without fruitfulness. Living our lives just continually falling back into the past, living our lives continually filled with brokenness and conflict and addiction and all the things that the enemy wants to use to keep us from experiencing all that God has for us. Jesus said he came to give us life, abundant life. I like to translate that. If I was the translator, right, I would, I would write, come to give you life and life to the max. Life to the max. The Apostle Paul wrote that all the promises of God, they are yes and amen. 
to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? And the promises of God, they are yes and amen for you. For God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants you to experience newness of life. That you might be able to truly say, yes, old things have passed away. I'm not the same person I once was. I'm not spinning back into those old habits and doing all those same old things. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. Newness of life in Christ. And so no more wandering. Come on, church, no more wandering. God has promised you victory. Excuse me, God has promised you a land. I'm getting out of order, jumping ahead of myself. God has promised you a land, a place of of purpose and fruitfulness and blessing, a place he's prepared for you. The Bible says that you are his workmanship, created for good works in Christ Jesus. A great big land, more than you could ever ask for or imagine. And he's promised you victory over the obstacles and the enemies that, that you may face as you attempt to live out the call of God upon your life. And he's promised you his presence for now and for always. Are you ready, church? Are you ready to step into your new day? It all begins by taking hold of the promises of God for their promises that he will be faithful to fulfill. The Apostle Paul wrote, yes, sometimes we're faithless, but he's always faithful. Aren't you glad for that, church? Amen. He's always, always faithful. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to ask the worship team to come and I don't know, just praying about like how God wants to work in our lives this morning, what he wants to do here. And I just sense like there's some people here this morning. God wants you to take hold of this message today. God wants to do something in your life to break the stuff that's been happening. The old patterns that keep on cropping up. All, all the, you know, the old pain that keeps on coming back. God wants to step into our lives. Maybe for some of us, it's just a matter of just saying, God, you know what? Like, I hear your word. I hear the promises of your word, but I'm having trouble, like, grasping them and take hold of them for myself. And Kim and the worship team are going to lead us in that, that song that says, do it again. Great is your faithfulness, God. Right? And, and as they do, I want to open up this altar. If you're here this morning, you need the touch of God upon your life. Maybe you're just saying, you know what? I just need to know, once again, the newness of life that Christ can bring. I'm going to ask you to come quickly this morning. Come and stand or kneel at this altar and let us pray for you this morning. Come on, will you do that? Come on, if worship team, would you lead us this morning?